Welcome to Weightlifting Yarns, where we chat about all things weightlifting in Aotearoa and all around the world. Kia ora and welcome back to Weightlifting Yarns. You're with Ray Everest and also Hayden Pritchard. How are you, mate? Mate, I'm going good. It feels like a long time since we last chatted. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we had a bit of a delay there with um, some other things, but there's still plenty of stuff to talk about. And um, and um, there's a lot going on now that we've shifted back into level two versus into level one, hopefully soon the way that we're going with the COVID cases. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's yeah, there's been heaps going on. And I know that um, you and the executive group have had a few meetings and we can see we're allowed to host comps after 1st of June, potentially. Um, yep. And that's looking pretty cool. Um, North yep. Island's Postal. Yep, North Island's Postal, North South Island's Postal, um, which is more details to come out about that. And, of course, Nationals. Nationals is – I had a meeting yesterday regarding Nationals in December – in November, sorry, um, and we're really trying to move forward with a lot of that stuff now. So, um, yeah, also uh, I know that Matt Rayner has put in for a Masters competition for the for New Zealand Masters Games, I believe it is. Um, so I'm just waiting to hear back a wee bit about those dates as well. Uh, is that's that next held... year? No, that's this year. I don't know because he was there last year, but for some reason he's applied to have it this year. I thought it was alternating um, between North and South Islands. But oh, once I find out more information, I'll let people know. Cool, man. Cool. So yeah, yeah. It's going to be good, man. I can't wait to actually you know see some lifters back out there and on the actual competition platform. It'll be. It'll be cool. Yeah, look, I think we all love that platform feeling. Well, I've kind of, for our own team, we've drawn a line in the sand of having a break at the 20th of June, which North Island was going to be, and then um, that will give we'll have a big we'll have a week break away from the gym and bar, and then um, and then basically it'll be a countdown into into nationals. Really, um, that will be. Uh, with probably a little Samara's got to go and lift at a club comp somewhere to qualify. Um, or she'll probably just do that July thing, uh, the July postal, and that'll be easy enough. Uh, I'd like to get it back on a platform, to be honest, though. Um, and then you can't you can't replicate the platform performance. So, But otherwise, yeah. Yeah, mate, I think um, I look forward to the postal. I think it gives people a lot more opportunity to really qualify for nationals, and hopefully we can get the biggest nationals we've ever had. I think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of keen people. Um, Random question that I have for you, Ray. Yes. Um, So let's say that there was an athlete who uh, last year competed in the 89s. Yep. Um, And let's say that that athlete uh, has lost some, some body mass. Yeah, and that that this hypothetical person is sitting around seventy seven to seventy eight kilos. Yeah, and that athlete is is thinking, do I need to compete at a lighter body weight to qualify for this year's one? If I've already yep. competed as eighty nine at last year's nationals, because they're lighter, do they need to then qualify in the lighter weight class, or are they able to use last year's nationals as the qualifier? So, no, you can't use last year's nationals as qualified for this year's nationals. So, essentially, the, the calendar opens up after that for qualification um, for this year's nationals. Then, then you can qualify at any body weight you want. So, I can qualify as a as a 60, 
as a 64, uh, well, if I was a female, and then go and lift in the 87s if I wanted. Yeah. And vice versa. It doesn't matter. Oh, so but you, no, can, you can qualify. If you get C grade, you've got C grade. And once you've got C grade, you've got it. That's it. You've qualified. So you don't... Because I, I thought, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember I was talking to Richie about this last year. Um, I thought there was some rule about you have to qualify within a class that is one... I mean, chances of you qualifying two weight classes under are not high anyway. Um, but if say if you qualified as 89s as a male, you get your C in the 89s, that you're allowed to compete in the 81s or the 96s, but say you couldn't go down to the 73s or up to the... What is it? 102s. Nah, nah, you can. But the likelihood of someone doing that... Look, okay, maybe they qualify in March or February, and then by November, yes, maybe they are a 102. But as long as I've been on the board and as long as I've known, once you get your C grade and whatever, you are qualified. Okay, okay, interesting. We'll have to see yeah. what that hypothetical athlete chooses to do. <laughs> well, <laughs> hypothetically, uh, they just got to get... They just got to get that person to get C grade, and then it doesn't matter what they choose to do. <laughs> That's it. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it, I mean, it's obviously more strict as you start to go up, and like internationally, you have to. Have, you're meant to have qualified. You're meant to have qualified in a category, but then, um, obviously, if your governing board says that you can compete in another weight class category then then that's okay but you know um yeah that's why they have verification of entries but otherwise um yeah that's generally the, that's always been the case as far as i've been aware um since i've been involved in new zealand weightlifting okay okay mm. interesting but interesting. but um carrying on with that that i asked just and look i was sorry i, I put it on late i thought gee i was meant to do that um about the questions we got one question there which i think is a great question and it talked about um, the best lifters, um, the best lifters. So, as in weightlifting shoes. Weightlifting shoes. Yes, yes. So I think that's a that's a cool question that um, we might as well spend five or ten minutes on now. What shoes have you got? Um, I have Romolo's threes. Um, yeah. I previously had the Romolo twos. Yeah. And I've also, when I was powerlifting, um, what did I have? There were some other ones. They were just like one with a wooden heel um, when I was powerlifting. Yeah. Um, can't remember what it was. It was like an Australian brand. It was a really, really small um, company from what I can remember. I can't, I can't even remember the name off the top of my head, but they just had a leather upper with a um, wooden heel, but it was almost a bit blocky. Um, like it wasn't like a contoured fit to the foot at all. It was just... Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was just like that. And then I went to the Romolo 2s. If... In all fairness, I think that I preferred the twos over the threes. Um, the only thing I didn't really like about the twos was the. Um, I don't know if you have you have you worn those or seen those. Yeah, yeah, I have. Yep, I had twos for years. Those um, the little Velcro strap that hangs right over and pretty much touches the floor. All right, that's not an issue with Māori feet, mate. <laughs> <laughs> mate, but I thought that like... I thought that'd be an issue with any feet because those no. things like. The, the little Velcro strap, honestly, yeah. I put that over my foot. Like, I'd almost step on it. Like, it was that yeah, close yeah, to the yeah. other side. So, um, yes. but I, I really liked the twos in terms of I think that they felt real sturdy in that. I upgraded, well, upgraded, changed to the threes. Um, and I've had those 
two or three years now. Um, yep. And I just take care of them so that I don't have to get a new pair. Um, and they seem to last. The only thing that I've noticed is other people have had issues with um, the tongue on the Romolo 3s. Yes, um, yes. In terms of pulling yeah. it off. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Corrie with those ones, um, I think she tries to put them on without undoing the laces, which as a former shoe salesman, um, do not do that. When yes. you take your shoes on and off, undo the damn laces, um, and you won't have the issue with ripping the tongue off because um, you'll have undone the lace and you're just about to slide your foot in nicely and not have to yank on the tongue. Um, <laughs> but that's just shoe clinic HJP method coming out there. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I've I've had I've had Reebok um, the original Reebok CrossFit um lifters this is when i was more so doing crossfit and they were horrible <laughs> but i only knew they were horrible when i got my realm of layers. um yeah 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 and then the the twos were by far the best version of the lifting shoe that nike i haven't seen i haven't tried on the fours but put it this oh, way yeah, I, they, they have I fours the now, threes yeah, there's fours out now. I got well. There's three. There's some sort of an, an upscaled model of the three too, isn't there? Isn't there an th- upscaled model of the three, like a Nike know, from layer three I, Max the, or something like that? For me, I just like I try grab a pair and just stick to it if it works all right. Yeah. Um, just because the shoes can be a really expensive piece of kit. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I just didn't find the. Um, I just didn't find the threes as heavy. Um, as yeah. the as the twos, so um, you know, and when I mean heavy, I mean just a bit more, bit more heel to them. Um, I felt they were I kind of trying to move back towards some sort of shoe that you could almost wadden if the need arised. So, um, yeah, I wasn't. I, in fact, I, I competed at World Masters Games in them, and then I basically got bought myself a new pair of shoes and. And I now have the Adistar 2008s, which you don't want to know the cost of those. They're super expensive. I bought them brand new from Russia, actually. And they are out and out the best shoe I've ever worn. They're just What one, sorry? The 2008 Adistars. How did you they, how did you find a pair of those? Uh, so basically, I searched the hashtag Adistar um, on Instagram. And I just scrolled my way through whenever I came across a... Uh, an account that had them, I messaged the guy, and then finally I came across a shop in Russia that had them in size 11, uh, US, brand new, and uh, yeah, and I bought them. Flat. Um, are they a wooden yeah. heel? Well, they're a wooden heel. Yep, with a they got a rubber sole on the on the bottom, and um, but wooden heel, but uh, yeah, like rubber on the front part of the foot, and um, yeah. You got to be careful of the strap, like. Uh, and I have, um, unfortunately, not. Yeah, well, I was pretty pissed off for myself. I was going to walk past. This was actually at functional. I was going to walk past a um, in between the, the the weight, the plate stackers, and it got caught on the corner of the stacker and ripped my shoe. Um, I was gutted. I was absolutely gutted. But uh, yeah, I think they've got another year of use in them. I, considering their shoes, I've worn, I bought them in March, uh, May 2017, and we're in May 2023. Years, I'm pretty much wearing them most days of the week. Um, 
Oh, you know, they've done amazingly well. They're such, I tell you what, the comfort of the shoe um, and just the the light and fit. And I've got quite wide feet, but they do fit perfectly. They're just phenomenal shoes. Um, Richie Patterson talks about the Adistar, the 2000 model. He, The way he explained it to me was that the 2008 was like the Lamborghini of weightlifting shoes. Um, but the the 2000 model is like the Bugatti of weightlifting shoes. So um, I've always got a bit of an eye out for a size 11 uh, 2000 model Addy Star. But I have tried um, Lee Stung's, Adidas Lee Stung's. Um, I've tried, I've lifted in the Reebok. Um, is it Legacies? Legacies? That's the, the real Legacy new lifter. one. The yeah. Legacy Lifter. Um, and overseas, I did try on some Anta, the Black Anta. I was going to ask if you tried those. The, the Black. All right. I was, yeah, I was just going on about the um, Antas and the quite a high heel on them. Um, so, I mean, if you, in terms of if you want more support in terms of ankle range of motion, it certainly does help a lot. But they're... They're hard to get back in here. Like, there's always all these restrictions on getting them into New Zealand. But they're readily available. I know Hook Grip's always got a lot of pairs now. Uh, and it's heaps. And that's the crazy thing, man. Like, when I first started trying to get a pair of Nike Rimaleos, was like trying to import drugs. It was it was so hard. Like, it was ridiculous. But now, right, it's just it's so many stores that stock them. Um, and Hook Grip, Hook Grip has some really good, like, actually, I'm just going to go in there now, like, Hook Grip's got a pair with my name on it, man. Um, <laughs> have you seen them? They're the, uh, the, they're the Adistar no, 2008. Off. They're the um, Adistar um, 2008 Blue Edition. And, like, they're like a, they were like a test, test edition, man, and they're so cool. They're like 2000 US dollars. Yep. Um, oh. 2008 Adidas Eddie Star. Yeah, vintage weightlifting shoes. Um, uh, looks like oh, he might have taken I'm just on off. the ones worth like 750 which must just be yeah. the pair you have. Yeah. I must have taken them off. I know he was thinking about um, keeping them for his... For his... Uh, Museum, but they're like super cool. <laughs> I can't, I can't say. Oh, scrolling through here, here's a, oh, here's some Anters, two hundred bucks, black white. Yep. Oh, here we go. I've got it here. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tag you back in it. Um, and they are, they are amazing. Where are you? Where are you doing this on Facebook or something? Oh, Instagram. Oh, Instagram, Instagram. Okay. And they are they are my size as well, the US 11. It's meant to be. Yeah. 2,000 okay, US dollars, man. Weightlifting uh, yarns might have to bring in some cash before you can afford to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't, to be honest, I probably wouldn't even wear them. <laughs> you just look at them on your shelf, mate. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen that. That post before. I already like the post, so I must have seen yeah. it before. Yeah. Yeah. They are pretty badass, man. But, <laughs> but, 
but at the end of the day, I think when you go back to it, like the shoe's got to fit comfortably. Um, Like I've never tried the ASIC um, because they don't make them big enough. Uh, But my mate Jay loves his ASICs. Ian Ganaris goes on about his ASICs all the time. Um, And they're a wooden heel with suede, like real cool, real cool shoe. And and the ability to customize them is really cool too. They're super expensive to customize. And one thing I noticed with the Japanese team, man, they had some badass um, <laughs> ASIC um, uh, customs. They were so cool. So cool. Like, um, um, it's like Google's cust- listening to me, mate. I've just started to type in ASICs, and the first thing that comes up with is weightlifting shoes. Yep. Taki Kasai, <laughs> Taki Kasai, the. I think he's the uh well then at that world he was the 85 yeah or 90 or 96 he had like asics with um dragon ball z on them it was like super cool man they were like really cool yeah yeah no very cool but but the reason i actually bought the red um, romaleo twos was because lu jiaojun because that's what he wore in paris yeah um, and that's the reason i bought those um the square, um, like the only reason, not because I'd heard reviews or anything. I was just like, "Oh, yeah, Lou's got those. I'll get those." That's that's the way it happens, eh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if, yeah. If Air Jordan, you know, yeah. Why'd that shoe yep. get big? Because it was Michael Jordan. He didn't even want to go with them at the start. I so know. I know. I found I that know. crazy, eh? Because you don't think of that sort of stuff. Like, no. they have a brand that they already enjoy when they're growing up. And then they get yeah. off with this big contract, but then there's the Nike Air. Yeah. Crazy, eh? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't that isn't that last dance been a real well for me, I mean Jordan's phenomenal, like and I love it. But Phil Jackson, that whole thing has been such of such great interest to me. Just hearing how he you know, where Jordan didn't agree with things and you know, like when Dennis Rodman needed a vacation and even when he, and this is a bit of a spoiler alert if you haven't watched it, but um, he, you know, disappeared through the finals to go and wrestle and things like, right, Phil Jackson's just phenomenal in terms of what he pulls out of people, you know? Oh, 100%. That's absolutely unreal. Um, and that's, that's like, that whole series, like um, I finished watching the last one last night um it must be one of the best series um oh it has to you know be. sports docos that has ever yeah. been done um, has to be has unreal to be. like just getting the inside thing and how they incorporated stuff from like way back and you know there was always that link between the, the early seasons and then back, back to the 1998 yeah. season which was the focus of it um yeah i think the insights and the footage and the interviews and contextualizing everything it was so well done uh, so well yeah done. I, I enjoyed it and for, for me it's like just looking at what phil jackson managed to do with a team of uh, with a group of people twice um that revolved around a key player or a couple of key players um and how it all managed to center still around jordan even though the team were a massive part of it because um, you can't obviously win by yourself. So, 
you know, it, it, it got me re- it got me thinking about my own coaching philosophies and things. And because my team's uh, the team, sorry, my team, our team has grown um, in the last um, couple of weeks. We've picked up a couple of couple more people, and um, yeah. um, so that's really nice. And um, they'll start next Monday, and then. Um, but all it really comes down to is, you know. How do we keep people who are at certain levels within the gym part of a team? And, and it's something for a large portion I've done well. Um, uh, but there have been times where I have let certain personalities um, be the more dominant personality or or I've let things fester underneath and haven't – well, either because I just – I'm a guy that kind of just won't involve myself if it's nothing to do with me, you know. Um, yeah. But in that setting, like Phil Jackson, knowing that Jordan is the way he, how he is in the training at the hall and things, and then, you know, Rodman, you know, Pippen, Pippen not coming back over the pace dispute and how he managed to keep him involved. Um, yeah, it's just, just phenomenal ability and it sounds like he's into a whole lot of other aspects that he utilises, you know, like the Native American Indian facets and things like that, which, yeah. Has he got a book out? Do you know? Uh, I just had a look before. Um, it looks like there's a few different books, like on Amazon. Um, there's Eleven Rings, Sacred Hoops, More Than a Game. So there's quite a few. Um, yeah, okay quite a few out there so i'm not sure which one the 11 rings is the most expensive so i'm assuming that one's um, mm-hmm. the, the dominant one of his um so I, I i'm tempted to get it eh, just because i like a lot of the philosophies and i and i really like what you were saying where like he's working with these such different personalities like a pippin versus wow. mj versus um rodman all of those guys uh switched on and off by such different things um yet he was able to to make them into what they were um, and to kind of use those personalities together. Um, and he, it sounds from what you sort of, when you hear the players talking about him, they all had a real good relationship with him. Like they, yeah. and cause I mean, as, as a coach, part of your role or a big part of your role is understanding your athletes and training them according to that and when to push and when not to push. And I mean, even, even the methods that you use in your programming will, will, or should change um, based on the personality and the and what the athlete needs. Um, but it seems like he had a real good ability to get to know his players and to draw out what he needed to from them. And he gave them the control when he saw that as required. Like I remember, which I can't remember what it was. I think it might have been one of last week's episodes. Um, but he speaks about how he said he talked about a play and then Michael basically said, nah, this is what we're doing. And, you know, yeah. he, he knew to let him run with that. Um Whereas some coaches would be stubborn and want to be the right person. Yes. He sort of realized, well, actually, no, in this scenario, this is what I need to do for the team. Yes. Um, whereas sometimes, yeah. you know, the ego can get in the way of that sort of stuff. So his ability to read players and moments and things, I think, must be must be pretty solid. Um, and that's, that's the skill, right? That's the skill is reading what an athlete's, um, what the athlete's going through. I, I hear, I remember hearing the story of the 2003 World Cup and when it's extra time, Wilkinson kicks a drop goal and I think goes into extra time 
and Clive Woodward's coming down and going to go into the into the team huddle and Martin Johnson turned around and turned, told him to fuck off. Um, yeah, we've got told him we've got this uh, or something along those lines. And of course, Woodward just turned around and walked back up to the stadium. You know, yeah, that um, it's you know, and I've spoken about it before in terms of weightlifting, and I, I know I've spoken about it with Samara. I know um, Junior Worlds. You know, she misses her last. This is her last snatch at 68. Going on your house, mate. Sorry, I've got my young one home. She's she's sick. I'm surprised you can hear that because I've got my headphones and everything. In. Um, Clear as, bro. Clear as. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she, you know, she missed the 68. And, and at that point, I, I stood up to say something. And she just turned around and she said, that was lazy. That's all she said. And I, I just stepped back again, you know. Yeah. And she, then within within 30 seconds, she stood up and came and, came and nailed it. So, yeah. you know... And that, and and yes, people would say, oh, okay, well, knowing that piece of information, maybe we should have, shouldn't have gone out at what we did go at it. But mate, I weighed up off not only my relationship with Samara and belief in her, but it was her response to the miss. Mm. It was her response. She immediately, she didn't panic and look at me for like, uh oh, she just went, that was lazy. That's all she said, right? And 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 in that and in that setting, I made the decision to continue with what we were going to go with. Um, sure, she only hit 71 on her final attempt, and maybe we could have dropped down, but at the end of the day, it came back down to our relationship of, I know, you know, she, she got a very clear indication that she was in control. Yeah. You know, and that's what you saw. You saw that from Jordan, you know. He, he knew when, to, when he was in control, um, but it's cool to hear him acknowledge that Scotty Pippen's the best um, best he's ever played with, you know, like, yeah, it was a phenomenal documentary, not just about basketball, because I'm not the massive, I'm not a big NBA fan. In fact, my NBA um, thing's only been probably re-spiked with Stephen Adams being in the NBA, and I don't watch it all the time. Um, yeah. But, mate, I'll probably watch it from now on, you know? Yeah, it's, it's kind of made me think, oh, man, basketball looks like it'd be quite a, quite a good one yeah. to watch, because I'm the same as you. It's never really, um, I've never followed it. Uh, my brother and a couple of my cousins, they're, they're pretty big into it. Um, so so that, I always see them talking about stuff and, you know, they're real keen on it. But I don't know, it's just never been a sport that I've I've got into. But I guess that's because growing up, it wasn't part of the culture. Um, you know, we were rugby and we were cricket. Um, but yeah, basketball, yeah. definitely since Adams has been in there, has taken off. Um, and I think the other cool thing about that documentary is, um, I always love when you kind of just see that competitive spirit that people have and the almost win at all costs because it's something that like a lot of people could be a lot more successful if that was the attitude that they had. But as Jordan says in the documentary, an attitude like that, it, it has a cost, it has a price. Um, yeah. And he talks about how the people, you know, people think that he wasn't a nice guy or whatever, but he says he would never do any, you know, everything he asked them to do were the things yes. that he would do himself. Um, yeah. But it all stemmed back to he wanted to win to such an extent um, that he would that he would push everyone else around him. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that speaks to the culture of that team as well, is that the desire to win was so great that they would push and they would work hard and they would make it happen. Um, and I think sometimes it's easy as a coach or an athlete to sort of get caught just in average or whatever 
Um, but if you want to be great, I mean, those sort of documentaries show you what it really takes um, and the attitude that it takes, which is, is something we talk a lot about training and strategies and all that, but there's an attitude and there's a mindset. Um, and I mean, clearly someone like Michael Jordan, the greatest basketballer, um, he had it. Um, and it's, yeah. it's real clear through that whole documentary. You just see the look, you know, and, and the desire to win that that guy had. Um, kind of overrode everything. I mean, whether you consider that a good or a bad trait, depending on, you know, the things that you prioritize and value in life, um, it does show that success at that extent, um, there's a cost and there's um, a level of effort and mental fortitude and focus that it requires. Yeah. And I think going back to it in, in relation to our sport, like our sport, again, is very black and white. You know, you either get the bar above your head or you don't. And I say to, I often say to people, don't be disappointed with the results that you didn't work for, you know, mm. um, and because it is our sport, it is our sport. It's uh, and like like I said, you could do a 16, 20 week block and hit, miss your first three snatches and you're done, mm. you know, um, and that's relevant at any level, whether it be club or international. You know, uh, at Olympics, uh, three snatches is three snatches missed. Um, and the experience of bombing out in terms of relevance on your ability level is still the same horrible feeling um, of bombing out. So um, and so going back to it and, and the nature of what goes on in your, in your club setting and your training setting, you know, we try to bring an intensity to our training sessions that... Um, and I bring and I bring the intensity through being very clear and direct around what's going on. You know, um, Haley, Haley at the moment, like she puts away a lift and and she, and she looks at me and I and I and I'll tell her like I said, still forward. You know, even though she's put it away, I'll be like, yeah, still forward. You're not going to get away with that. At that and that's that's that competitiveness in me to continue to really just keep asking more of the athlete. Um, there are times I know when to pull back, but knowing what, what Haley's goals are, I can't let her get away with, um, I can't let her get away with mediocre, you know? Um, oh, yeah, that jerk. Oh, yeah, but I still put it away. Yeah, but you put it away forward. Like, you know, that, that's just, that's, that's just what it is. So, so, yeah, oh, mate, that, that documentary is fascinating for me. Um, and I really, I really hope that athletes watch it and, and recognize. Okay, he's one in a billion. That guy, Jordan. Um, but man, um, what he what he did in the game um, was something phenomenal, and and his level of competitiveness, yeah, was just something else. Something else. Yeah, and I, th- I like that whole the whole competitive drive and that desire to win is probably the biggest take home. From from what he had um, was at the end of the day it wasn't it wasn't just about the game it was about his, his competitiveness and that's what drove him um, yeah to achieve at such a high level was because he couldn't accept losing um, no no and so and like and like that or someone getting one up makes on you him you couldn't accept what yeah like those stories of people you know giving him an eye or pointing at him or something and then he'd use that as his fuel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To make him come out and win, you know, and push harder and win the next one. Like honestly, uh, he, you know, and and how he used that almost as a tactic as well. Like he would, yeah. he would look for things that sometimes didn't even happen. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah. he'd imagine those to to give himself that will. It, yeah, 
incredible. Like the, the mental game that he had, yeah, unreal, unreal. And that's where we can we can compare. I mean, weightlifting is a lesser known sport, but you look at some of our greats of the sport. They were able to they were able to pull that out of themselves time and time and time again. Yeah. You know, uh, and I know he's polarizing. A lot of people don't like him because of his drugs and things. But Ilya Illin was the most competitive person in our sport. The guy never lost, mm. and it, and it wasn't like he was the best. You know, like he didn't never had the biggest snatch, never. You know, there was always someone who was snatching more than him. Yet, mate, he always turned up to compete. And you know, in that 2014, which is probably the best competition I've ever watched, um, 105s and Al Matty. You know, what was it? Four records and four lifts, and yeah, the end um, of that session. You know, and 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 and. Keep in mind that Ilya had missed his second attempt in there, so he had to come out and do the third attempt, and also had to put up, put it up to two forty two because he needed two extra kilos because it, because the snatch wasn't wasn't the best in the um, you know in the competition. So it just shows, mate. Like the guy was ultra competitive um, in that in that setting, and um, he is almost almost like the Jordan of weightlifting. He just had, a, and there's stories of him, mate, like in, out, in, out the back, kind of shaking people's hands before the competitions, wishing them all good luck and things. And um, yeah, being real upbeat and jovial and potentially getting on people's nerves. Um, but it was part of his competitiveness, you know? It's going to be like those KFC pants for me, mate, in the warm-up room rest of this year. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. D- distraction yeah. tactics. Distraction. Yeah. I think going back to um to in terms of the relationships that um people have with their athletes around and I'm just referring back to Phil Jackson. Yeah. The guy's really calm. And you can sense that he's really calm. He's level headed. He he's not greedy because he like Jordan said at the end, he said, you know, if they just said one-year contract for a seventh attempt, we all would have taken it. I don't know if Phil Jackson would have taken it. He said he would have. You know, Jackson knew it was time to go, you know. Um, it's quite a hard one now, though, because like, you look back, you know, when, when it's now, what, 2020 or 2019, when they probably recorded it all, like, it's probably quite easy for him to say now um, that that was the end. But I almost, yes. I almost feel like if you, if if the owner had come to him and said, "We're going to keep NJ, we're going to keep Pippin, we're going to keep you know, Kerr and everyone," um, yeah. I, I do, I do still wonder if what MJ said would have been true. But I mean, I think from another perspective, when you look back at that, and and they all left at that time, like, there's something to be said for going out, like, at your peak on top. Yeah, um, and being yeah. the champions, and and you know it was only just the champions, you know, like um, they were pushed. I mean, what was it? Game six, they didn't get to game seven, but like going out when you you still have it, um, or the team still has it, and the coach still has it, and everyone can still bring it together. Like if they'd come out the next year, and you know not not made the say finals or lost in the finals or something, I wonder what how that would have affected things. Like, it's quite an interesting one because we're looking back with hindsight, obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, but it's yeah, like yeah. it's it's like in our sport, mate, like, 
having the experienced lifters around that have been there and done that, you know. Like Tevita Ngalu, who's um, lifts with um, Elevation Barbell. Tevita's been around for years and years and years. Mm. Lifted for New Zealand. I believe he's lifted for Tonga and Masters. Or he's certainly lifted for New Zealand. Um, you know, um, and the guy, he, he came down training Elevation and he's still... He's, I mean, he's a Masters lifter, but he still brings a huge amount of experience to the young yeah. people around him. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's and that's what Jordan spoke about at the end. He spoke about he got better at his craft. Yeah, you know, um, and that's and that's what it comes down to. It's it's helping young young athletes hone their craft and recognize and realize that you're not always going to be able to impose your will on it, but you can impose your methods and systems, and generally that will take over. Um, you know. Because you might be the strongest bastard in the gym. You might be. And you might have the strongest snatch and clean and jerk in the country. But you can also get out coached in, in the bloody thing. That's that's what mm. a lot of people don't realize. You know, and and um, as an athlete, and as a weightlifting athlete, where you feel like you want to dictate what's going on because you're feeling good, um, sometimes having the experienced athlete on loading on the bar or something like that, just being able to say, hey, just, okay, you've hit that lift good. Like, like what my one is this and some people are notorious for celebrating a lift that they smashed in their second attempt and go out and clap the third one you know yeah 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 um, that frustrates me man you know it frustrates me um, especially if he's trying to build towards something even bigger and better in terms of total I think I think for and, me that happened at Nationals two years ago in the snatch I hadn't had an opening snatch for ages Hit my first one, was so stoked with that, and then I went, I missed my next two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because and you've almost that. taken the pressure off your shoulders, you know? Like, you, you're focused. Guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's like scoring a try in the first minute of the game. Well, it, you know what? It, re- it reminds you of um, the All Black test in 2000, where um, the All Blacks piled on, like, yeah. Yeah, piled on like 30 points um, and then turned off, you know? Um, Australia came back and we ended up winning with Lomu scoring that with Tane Randall with that pass over pass the back over the, top. Uh, over, yep. set, yep. over the top to Jonah to score but but that's an example of of people um, sitting back and resting nil, hey? yeah I, I, you know what the, the, the worst, worst Clark, Clark I've ever seen I was at the game I was actually at the game it was Waikato and we were playing counties and um we were smashing them at the start, Waikato was. And about 15 minutes or 45 minutes in, um, they started announcing tickets to the final because Waikato won. It was going to be a home game against Canterbury. <laughs> Mate, and then Joel Vendieri went crazy. I think he scored like four tries and they smashed us in the end. And Waikato had already subbed off all their players and then they couldn't do anything to stop them. That was, and they got smoked. They got smoked and counties actually went down to Canterbury and, and actually... Um, I think they actually ended up beating Canterbury what down there that? in the final. Oh, I Did think it was, there, was, it? was a long time ago. I think no, ninety four. You know, and that's that for me is a faux pas on the on the bloody coach. Like, what the fuck were they thinking? You know, um, and that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I just think you know sometimes with with athletes and and our weightlifting and and our setting as well, like. Yeah, they put away a lift and they feel good about it, but then they turn their brain off. 
and they've got to stay in right till the end. And, and it's something I've noticed a little bit in our training at the moment, you know, um, uh, and and that I've berated a couple of our lifters for because I was like, fucking stay in there. If, if you've done well, put a lift away. You never know that I'm going to say, it's not a given that we're just finished. You know that. Um, and like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they go out and they're just horrible on the next lift, you know. Um, I think that's one um, of those things that I like um, when you perform like a almost a pyramid type style, you go up to a high or heavier set and then you bring it back. It's one of the things I think for me, psychologically, part of that is making the athlete stay focused because they've done their big set and then they come out and they think, oh, yeah, it's 10 kilos lighter. Um, but the fatigue from the heavier set, if that athlete doesn't stay switched on, you know, it, that, that lighter weight, although it should be easier, it can actually punish them. Yes, um, yes. And oftentimes yes. you'll see the better performance from the athlete on the heavier set because they get the emotiveness, they turn on, they focus, yep. um, and then they drop by 10 kilos, say it's a set of five in the back squat or something, drop by 10 kilos. And suddenly, like the first rep of that set, they're not. Yeah, they're it looks not like there. it's 105%. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's like it's yeah. a heavier weight. And it's like you've yeah. gone down by 10 kilos. That should be faster. Um, yes. But you've switched off. And so it's, I think it's quite a good tool um, to kind of check that. Because um, if you're just always ascending when you're doing your training and you're going up and load, up and load, up and load, um, yes. you can switch on and switch on and switch on because you know it's heavier. But if, if you do waves or you do a pyramid style where you go up and down, um, that stuff's quite good to help them to stay focused, I think, um, and to help athletes to kind of stay switched on, even though they've taken a little bit of load off the bar. Yeah, and at the end of the day, our sport's about consistency, um, and and well, probably even any sport, but our sport's about fucking consistency and and the consistency of movement. That's that's still a big work on for um, many of the people I work with. Is just that day to day consistency of movement. Um, you know, and like you say, you drop, you, you go back for some drop down sets and then it starts looking different or they miss or something. And you're like, what the hell, what's going on there? And then, oh, you know, and yeah. And, and there's the competitiveness in me. I don't accept it. You know, I, I generally get stuck into them about it because it yeah. fucks me off. Um, and, and, and the reason we're doing that is just, well, actually the reason we do it, part of the reason why I like to, um, utilize waves is for the very fact that it, it asks the um, athlete to maintain consistency and, and attentiveness to what's going on. But also um, you, you could actually have to go back and do that in a, in a competition, you know, yep. Yep. you could have 10 minutes to go back out. There's a really good video, the Muhammad Ehab video in the clean and jerk warm up. Um, and he came out, this is at 2017 Worlds, he came out opener, and it was like 13 or, f- or 15 minutes before his next one. So he actually had to re-warm up. And um, he actually missed his last clean and jerk that in the second wave through. He actually missed it um, and went out and then stuck it uh, out, the, out, the back, out, out on the platform. But, yeah, you've you got to stay in there. you got to stay in there. And, and and I am sure that every coach should know that they should, they should be planning for that sort of situation as well because it could come up, it could arise, especially at some of these bigger events. Yeah, well, when athletes say at a competition with, uh, amongst others that are at a similar level, like if you think of the local comp, you might be the big dog, but then you go to nationals, 
or North Islands or whatever it might be. And now you've got yeah. five or six other lifters lifting the same loads, you know, um, might be only, only be a five kilo difference or whatever a jump that you go, but you end up waiting for five, six other lifters. Maybe someone gets a two minute clock and then you've had 10 minutes sitting out back. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is the challenge. And that's why for me, like one thing I'm really trying to work on is that competitiveness amongst clubs because it's it's what it will do for the athletes. They've got to stay on top. Like when we went to Hamilton, um, even though yes, Haley's the biggest snatcher there. Um, you know, if if Amy was Amy had been dealing with a bit of an issue with her rib at the time, but if because if, Amy was on track to be snatching in the eighties again, pretty comfortably, and that would have put her warm up out a wee bit, even though I was in control of both Amy and Haley. You know what I mean? So. She, that would have been the first time in a long time she'd been to a club comp where someone actually um, interfered with in terms of her timing for the for the platform. But it's it's also um, I go back to was it twenty eighteen nationals and her and Kana were going head to head, and um, you know Kay, Kana and Haley had snatched really well. Um, Haley had snatched 92, and then in the clean and jerk, she, she had she had clean and jerk really well. She actually went, um, she went at 109 and put that away, and put the pressure on Kana. Um, and Kana had to go back out and hit it. And, and Kana, Kana's so relentless in that in that setting. She 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 wasn't. I wouldn't say she was looking amazing, but she went went out and put the last lift over her head and won. Um, but it's that ability to just stay in that grind in training and practice what you what you're going to hope to emulate at, in the in the on the platform, you know. Um, yeah, it's a big thing that I'm real keen on developing and and potentially talking to my athletes about more as well as um, like oftentimes the focus is is there, but it's quite easy if your session takes you you know hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is to lose the focus but we're weightlifters like we're not we're not just there to grind out reps and get through the session we actually want to improve through the session because we're really a technical sport right if you had a if you had a golfer and they were practicing their swing they're not just going to you know roll the arm over or whatever you know like just just swing every every single time that they hit that golf club they're trying to do correct things right they're trying to get the drive straight they're trying to get it as long as they can um, you know, keep the control of everything. Um, but I think sometimes when we get to our squats or we get to whatever an accessory might be for the day, that focus gets lost. Um, yes. And so for me, like the word I always use is intention, um, that when the athlete goes out to lift, they need to be intentional, right? The way, the way they set up needs to be the same every time. They need to have intention in that when they go and they do their accessory um, it's not just a matter of holding the dish shape. It's a matter of being as stiff as you possibly can in that shape and maintaining the, the position really, really well. Um, because it's easy to get into some of the exercises of the day and just move. Um, yes. But like for me, something like a plank, you know, like just a core exercise, there's, there's a plank and then there's a plank. Um, you, can do a, you can do a plank and just sit in a position that looks really good or you can actually work really hard on contracting everything within your torso to hold the position. Um, both of them might look the same to, you know, to the untrained eye. Um, but one of those is going to transfer a lot better to holding shape than the other. Yeah. Um, 
and so I think intention, like, and and as soon as we lose that, like, if, if it's just warming up, and I think it's one of the things Richie always enforced to me, is the way you warm up needs to be just as intentional as the way you do your heaviest set of the day. Like, you should be moving well the whole time. And you watch someone like Cam McTaggart when he's warming up, like, the way he moves the bar um, is the same as the way he's going to move 130 or whatever, you know? Like, he's he's moving with intent. There's sharpness, there's crispness, there's intention in the way that he receives the bar, all of those things. Um, and it's not just move the bar through my positions as I warm up. It's let's be intentional and move this properly um, to get prepared. So I feel like I've gone on a tangent there, but... Um, yeah, but no, that, that makes sense. I mean, that whole intention, like focus. Mm. Yeah, like just you're not you're not going to train, you know, just for the sake of burning some calories or whatever, right? You're you're going to do a training session to get better at a sport and therefore you have to treat it as such. Yeah. Yeah, and, and your approach you remember the intent comes from the mind as well. Like you you can rip the bar from the floor and just use the bar as um and and that sort of level of whether it drives your intent, but then at the end of the day, your mind's got to be just so focused. And um, and like Jordan, when he got his flu game, right? Mm. His intent was probably down because he's stuffed, food poisoning or whatever it was. Um, the All Blacks in this 95 World Cup. Don't you know? go there, Ray. Yeah. But the intent's there. You know, the intent was probably there. Um, but sometimes on those days, it's not... The performance isn't there, so you can't you can't blame for lack of trying and effort. That, and that's where, as coaches, we've got to recognise some days that, okay, we I see the intents there, but you're just not being you're just not accurate today. So we need to drop down, or we need to yep. refocus, or stop, or stop. You know, it's time to stop. You know, you, you're having a shocker, um, and, and just going from there, and, and that's where the relationship going back to it, the relationship with the coach athlete and, and having the um, ability to call it when it's quick when it's not going well or or call them out when the intent's not there is just so important um, for them to progress no matter how what their intent and goal is in the sport um, and the other thing is I, I guess the other thing is for me it's also making sure that that it doesn't waste your time and effort that you're putting in if the intent's not there regularly, you know? Um, that's fucking important. Like, if it's not like you and I getting paid millions of dollars to, to coach, you know? Um, no. And it, how I kind of deal with that is, like, if people aren't putting the intent into the training, then generally the team will pull them up. But they just won't hit the numbers that they won't... They just won't hit the numbers. And, and then I just say, yeah, but... You've had no intent, you know. It's, it's the same with the, it's the same what I used to do with kids and homework. I used to set homework. I wasn't a big fan of homework, but I'd set it. Um, and if kids did it and they did well in tests, good on them. If they did, if they didn't do it and did well in tests, good on them. But if they didn't do well in tests and didn't do the homework, then I was well, I was like, well, did you do the work? Mm, no, you didn't. So you've only got yourself to blame, really. Because I've given you, when you're here with me, I give you 100%. When you, you know, at, at this training, when you're working on your snatch technique or clean jerk, te- clean jerk tech or whatever, and I'm, I'm here, I encourage. But if you don't come in and do 
the program warm-ups or or do the necessary assistance work or do the actual volume of, of sets that you should have been doing at this weight instead of going up and you know then that's that's on you that's that's on on you so it's not that I've come across many people that do that but yeah it's it's always a really in, interesting one is that intent um, I think that stuff is is almost more important you know a lot of people aren't in competition zone at the moment so their intensity and training might not be um, as high potentially if they're just coming back but when you're working 70 to 80 maybe up to 85 percent even um, that's where the mind can get relaxed and that's where you can as you say just put away a rep but it doesn't move like you, it should um, yeah and so that's almost the almost the stage where it's more important to be focused on switching on because when it gets to 85 90 percent as you say you're going to miss if you don't you know 85 to 95 percent sorry you're going to miss and if you're going above 95 percent you've come into max out and so you're, you are switched on regardless yeah um, but when you're working at those you know around the 75 ish mark and it's weights that you know you sh- you are going to hit and if you miss it's weird it's rare yeah. it's not going to happen that's where intent is almost even more important because you have to turn it on. Um, you can't just trust that because the weight's on the bar, it's going to cheer you up, you know? Like, um, yeah. 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 The, the intent's just so important when, yeah, when you're at those lighter weights and you could just cruise through, but actually that's not the purpose from your coach. The coach didn't prescribe you 75% to cruise through. They want to refine your technique and allow you to improve that movement quality. So, yeah. 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 And, and it's frustrating for a coach when, yeah, Haley did it in that first Zoom comp. Like, we, all we wanted to do is get six from six, and she comes out, and like, I haven't seen her miss 80. She'd been power snatching 80. And she fucking, yeah, botches up to 80. Like, I was, I was lucky I was announcing and doing everything on the Zoom comp because I was pissed, man. I was like, <laughs> and yeah, she goes on to snatch 95 that, that day, but I was like, but mate, you missed 80, you know, like you missed something that's 15 kilos lighter than that, you know, and I was, I was peeved with her about that and she knows I was and she was peeved off with herself as well and yeah, it's, but that's exactly what we're talking about and that's one thing we're talking about with, with we often talk about with Hayley is, mate, you've got to, you've got to put away those, those lighter weights like they mean nothing and, and, um, but then, you know, carry that intent when you go and, for bigger lifts as well to have a chance to put them away. So, yeah, yeah, that's our sport, isn't it? It's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Ray, I'm, I'm probably going to have to wrap up shortly just yeah. because of the time. Sounds good. Um, yep. But was there, anything good, else, was there anything else you wanted to cover before we wrap up? No, nah, no. Nah, look, we've got other podcasts coming up and, yeah. and I look forward to digging into those things. But no, nah, mate, it's been, been good to have a yarn for sure. About time, eh? About time. About time. About time. I think it's only been a week, but it feels about two. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know it does. All right, mate. Oh, well, just quickly, um, for those, I have got a coach's call. Um, so going out for next Thursday on the 28th. Now, what it is, it's not just for coaches. It's for athletes as well. Um, we've got Kellen Helms, Richie Wong, and Chris Gibbs, who are going to be talking about programming, their own programming and philosophies. Um, so... If you're keen to jump on, please message me. I'll give you the Zoom link, and uh, we'll go from there. And we're going to try and get that recorded, eh? To put up yeah, I will. Well, look, it records on my Zoom I've, uh, on the laptop, so it must go to their cloud. I've just got to figure out how to actually pull that down. 
Cool. I mean, if you can, yeah, if we can get that as audio, um, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely absolutely. try to get it up here. I think it would be real cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Cool, right? Thank you, mate. Um, remember, right. people, you can follow our Instagram page, which is, yes. right? <laughs> Uh, weightlifting yarns. Uh, there we go. We started an Instagram page, so hopefully I can start to build a bit more content on that. Um, yeah, hopefully we can start getting a bit more video content moving forward as well for that. I'd like to do that. Hey, if Joe Rogan's just been signed for $100 million to Spotify, I don't think it's a um, hard goal to, to try and get a signing for $1 million to Spotify. <laughs> Look, we'll take $100,000. Yeah. I'll take $100, <laughs> man. <laughs> Hey, no, no way. There's no way I'm doing it up for $100. Yeah, yeah. All right, mate. Um, otherwise, yeah, you can find me at Ray underscore Everest. And Hayden, where we can find you? At HJP Method on Instagram is where I tend to post the most, although uh, it's been more stories than posts lately, to be fair. Yeah, it's been a little yeah, bit yeah. slack, but yeah, that's me life, too, yeah. you know. Some things Absolutely. I find a little bit more important than my post on Instagram. But anyway, uh, you can <laughs> follow right. me there, and I, I will promise to ir- irregularly... Uh, post some content. So. <laughs> yeah, all right, mate. Sweet. All right, cheers. Cheers, mate. Cheers, right. See you. All right, bye.